Welcome to the second episode of the Product Weekend podcast, powered by Productize. This is where we meet the inspiring people behind great products. Today, we have with us João Santos, Director of Product Management at OutSystems and one of the speakers of the first Product Weekend event, held in May. There, he talked about the main non-obvious lessons he learned in 10 years in product management, and also about the nuances of the relation between product and engineering. João has a long experience in the software industry, and in this conversation, he shares some of his stories as well as useful advice for anyone working in product. Besides being a director of product management, he is also a father, a learning geek, a great storyteller, and a really fun person to chat with. By the end of the episode, you have some books and travel recommendations from him. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's start with something that we have in common, the university where we studied, Technic, here in Lisbon. Uh, how did you end up studying computer science? It was a passion since uh, early days. Obviously started playing uh, video games uh, mm-hmm. as a kid, learned coding uh, for fun uh, mm-hmm. when I was 12. Oh, uh, nice. So I was doing... Uh, some uh, assembly coding it at 15 for instance and mm. doing some side jobs uh, with programming it was a decision taken long ago in my teenage years those were still a bit the early days of well programming had been invented a long time ago but uh, the tools that you had today yeah, and, like and for a 12 year old kid to to start playing around with it how did you uh, have access to that were your parents also in the tech field my father was a, an engineer but mm-hmm. in construction so nothing okay. to do with it he's not very good at using a mobile phone even today so <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i had the well the spectrum the, the most famous mm-hmm. uh, computer for for games and when i was 15 uh, there was the first pc back home because my brothers my older brothers were also studying engineering not not it okay. but, okay. but related mm-hmm. your first role after uh, after graduating, uh, was specifically in engineering, right? Yes, I was an analyst programmer. I want to think that that kind of project no longer exists today. Yeah. It was a project that took three years to go live. So I was in that company only for uh, eight months. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine that uh, you know, doing analysis on a project that is very far away from going live it's a very relaxed life, so uh, it was still learning, but not as challenging as as, as interesting as mm-hmm. my career after that. Yeah, and so after that, uh, you started moving a little bit away from engineering. Your first role outside engineering, specifically, was a as a pre-sales engineer, right? Yes. What did you learn there about tech and about the software industry? So, as a pre-sales, you you still need to, to know a lot of technology. And uh, you also get uh, a bit more close to the value that customers get out of the technology. So it's not finishing this piece of code or finishing the screen. is to see that you, you get much more connected to customers are willing to make this investment because it will have this payoff for them. Mm-hmm. And you see that technology really changes uh, people's lives. Uh, in this case, B2B. Okay. And in that field for... For yourself, personally, you realized that you wanted to go that way, a little bit more to the value side of the technology and making this connection between 
business and technology? Was it already there or only later? I would say it was earlier. Uh, the, you know, with my side jobs uh, going through college, I was you know doing doing small applications for small companies, but I, I was seeing the value uh, being realized mm-hmm. immediately. And uh, yeah. to understand that I was doing something to make somebody's life easier, it was very, very interesting. So I guess I didn't really have a plan for my career when I left college. Mm-hmm. And so when this opportunity for pre-sales came along, I said, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. Let's go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. So then after this first uh, first experience as pre-sale, then you moved to another company, Altitude, where you stayed for 14 years total. Yes. Right. Um, so and by the by the way by the end of this of this journey in this uh, in this company it's when we you moved to to pr- the product management side specifically uh, two years before that yeah okay can you walk me through the your path there yes so f- first of all i would say that what i really liked at altitude it was uh, almost unique at the time in being a software company based out of portugal but with a global footprint So Mm -hmm. I used to say that, you know, I would travel to various places in the world every day without leaving my desk. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, is very, very uh, interesting from a personal point of view. It Mm -hmm. gives you a different perspective um, of things, uh, different ways of thinking and so on. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it was, uh, you know, a very uh, interesting project. Uh, We were, when I joined, we were growing... uh, Uh, fast not as fast Mm -hmm. as some of the uh, Mm -hmm. shining stars nowadays in the it culture but that was the case and um i was uh, you know really helping um people around the world so it was not pre-sales focused on a single market but more uh on on supporting all the pre-sales and and being focused on the most interesting opportunities more more challenging more strategic for the company Mm -hmm. So it was a very, very interesting role. We did a lot of different things. Um, but maybe, you know, since this talk is more about product, let's... Uh, yeah, let's go to the specific part. How did you end up uh, as product manager there? It was uh, proposed. Uh, at the time, the, the conclusion of the management is that the context of the, the product management role at that altitude at that time Required a bit more of my skills, my, the things that I'm stronger about professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and the context was that um, we had, say, committed a lot of our development resources to three major projects. Mm-hmm. So it was a product management role that was a lot more about uh, execution, so making sure that. Um, the commitments were followed, that we negotiated the, the scope um, of the product changes as best as we could. And, of course, also looking for opportunities to, to leverage those um, capabilities to other customers across the base. And so the, the assessment of, of the management team at the time was that the, I was better focused for that role. And so mm-hmm. you know, I switched roles with the, the existing PM, and uh, that was my start of the journey. Okay, you were the the only PM there, or was there a product team already at the time? 
when I uh, took the role, already the, the plan was um, to have a small team. So it was uh, built very fast because it was uh, built from internal transfers. So mm-hmm. I had uh, three PMs uh, reporting to me. Okay. Okay. So you were director of product management. Yes. So how did you figure out it was time to move on to the next challenge after that? Well, uh, to be honest, it wasn't my decision. So uh, Altitude was was going through a a rough time. Uh, And um, at the same time, uh, so that was part of the story. The other part of the story is that... um, We've had um, uh, new shareholders for a couple of years uh, and they wanted to focus all the leading positions in Spain. So mm, okay. uh, in that sense, you know, I didn't want to move to Madrid. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here we are. Yeah, yeah by that time, uh, did you already have kids? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so you already established here in Lisbon. You didn't want to bring your family along? Or even if it was just for yourself, you wouldn't want to go there. How's your relation to Lisbon and Portugal? Uh, yes, well, Tabulsham is a big part of it. Uh, um, and, uh, for instance, uh, I don't think my wife, for instance, would be very interested in, in, in relocating. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the kids, I don't know, they're more adventurous. You know, mm-hmm. uh, one of them you know, was... Uh, my oldest kid was... Um, Applying for Erasmus uh, just now, so uh, mm-hmm. okay. yeah. as an example, maybe and they would be willing to, yeah, to go over. So probably they, maybe they would be willing to go. The and actually, you know, for even for the the youngest, uh, it's a thing among our friends that uh, you know. Uh, I, I know I sound old when I speak like this, but teenagers nowadays they 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 like to find every excuse to to go abroad. <laughs> yeah. uh, there are people taking. Uh, uh, you know, the year before college abroad, just because <laughs> I would mm-hmm. say, yeah, yeah. but but yeah, I mean, if even for me personally, I would say that uh, if I would consider a work abroad, uh, Madrid wouldn't be my first choice. Mm-hmm. Then there are plenty of other places that yeah. are much more interesting than mm-hmm. than Madrid, for sure. Um, and besides working in product management, what hobbies do you do you have? How do you spend your time outside of work? I do have a, a, a couple of hobbies that you know maybe they are not very persistent over time. Mm-hmm. So I, I change a bit interests. But uh, for instance, I learned to to play guitar like uh, 15 years ago uh, from, mm-hmm. from scratch. I I like to learn uh, languages on computer apps. So okay, can Duolingo. Yeah, dueling and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. you know, I, it was always a thing for me. So I always had an aptitude for for languages. I, mm-hmm. I spoke professionally besides Portuguese, three more. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the lingo, I can let's say read the news in three more languages and mm-hmm. uh, a bit of a, a, an eight month. So nice. <laughs> yeah, so I'm feeling that you do that more for the challenge of learning new stuff uh, than for a, a hobby that you follow through uh, during a long time right you try to find something new and learn it and become yes proficient at it then you get tired of it <laughs> is it something like that i find a new one it's not because i mm-hmm. get tired of the other one uh, but okay. uh, but i i find a new one yes okay nice 
do you think you you managed to have a good work-life balance and having time for these hobbies for your family is it has it been a an issue for you the the combination of life and of personal life and work i feel very lucky mm -hmm. i think uh, you know throughout my career uh, i've had uh, you know some peaks of work some peaks of stress of course but those were really uh, rare occasions i'd say and uh you know i i do enjoy uh, I, th i do think i enjoy good uh, work-life balance uh i guess you know i was lucky to to work in organizations that uh, also support that a lot mm -hmm. and at the same time i mean maybe i'm a bit uh, selfish or biased here but i think in in roles like um uh, pre-sales and, and product management this is kind of more expected uh, in the sense that you know as opposed to somebody who's working on bringing a new application live that is a, a deadline with a marketing campaign uh, associated to the, the launch of the application mm -hmm. there's there's not natural conditions for for more, more stress than than in, in sales in, in product where the challenge is, is tremendous Mm -hmm. But at the same time, in most times, you know, um, you have the pressure to do things right rather than doing it tomorrow. It's it's urgent, but mm -hmm. not not uh, sensitive to the hour. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Probably most of our listeners have at least heard of OutSystem, so the company that you're currently working on. For the ones that don't know. Uh, can you tell us a bit? Yes, OutSystems is about uh, fixing uh, probably the, the biggest problem in, in business today, which is you need to build a lot of software very fast mm -hmm. to build your competitive differentiation. And even as a consumer, if you think about how you interact with companies, with their products, software is a big part of it. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and changing it at an amazing pace. And so on one hand, we have this challenge that we companies need a lot of software. And at the same time, even though you know we are uh, training people in IT at a pace that was never seen before in history, mm. that's not hardly enough. Mm. And so we help to solve that problem by um, helping our customers to build applications much faster and... Um, with uh, requiring a, a lot less of uh, you know, very highly talented and very uh, scarce um, uh, computer experts mm -hmm. in alternative. So it's, you know, in practical terms, it's an application development platform. But really the, the thing here is, uh, is about solving this problem of enabling customers to do that digital transformation to, be, to build the software that they need. Mm -hmm. But the people that develop, they still need to, to understand... Uh, needing to know how to code in out systems. It's something that you can learn just by yourself and become proficient in a couple of days or are there courses and stuff to for people to build on out systems? Yes, we ha you have all pets. Uh, I'll say that probably the most... So the path with the most volume, especially if you're thinking for for people outside of IT, is uh, 
these uh, courses. There are a mm-hmm. number of uh, partners, uh, mm-hmm. mostly in Portugal, but also you know in other places of the world, mm-hmm. that uh, specialize in, in taking people from you know, that acronym of uh, STEAM, right? Science, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah. math, and so on. And 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 there are you know hundreds or thousands of success stories of, of converting uh, these people to, onto a successful career in IT. Mm-hmm. Without systems with a, a few weeks of, of training. Yeah, that's super interesting. And I mean, even though I've never used the solution more than the free tra- trial a couple of times just to see how it felt like, I'm a big fan of, of out systems. Uh, not only as the, the product and the mission that it's ta- trying to, to accomplish, but also as a place to work, particularly in product. In product. From what I've heard about it from from the people i know working there uh is it uh justifiable that i that i have this this feeling or or is it not that good to work there i think it's totally justifiable uh, mm-hmm. and uh, i mean if i was to say something different in a podcast <laughs> i would be having a, a talk with uh, people ops <laughs> tomorrow <laughs> no uh jokes aside uh yes um so uh, first of all, as you said, it's it's about the mission, right? It's it's inspiring uh, for anybody who understands what challenge that we're talking about to be able to do something to solve it. It's inspiring. Mm-hmm. Then um, it's the scale, right? Uh, to work in a in product in a company that has thousands of enterprise customers. Um, mm-hmm. It is very interesting because, you know, as, as a product manager, the one thing that I think all product managers should have in common is that they love talking to customers and they love to solve problems for them. Mm-hmm. And so that resource of product feedback uh, and feedback on your ideas uh, all the time, it's it's amazing. So, so those things are there just, you know, just because of the numbers and, and the type of product that we are working on. Then... Um, what what really makes um, also health systems very interesting to, to work with is, uh, you know, as many other companies there, I think uh, we do uh, care about uh, treating our people well. Uh, mm-hmm. So not only product, but, but in all the roles of the company. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say we are very different there from, from mm-hmm. the, the, the shining stars of our uh, industry. Yeah today but but it, we also follow that trend mm-hmm. and it uh, from in product specifically um, there are two things that are very very appealing so the first one is having the opportunity to to work with great people um, I mean we yeah. were having this uh, event uh, a few weeks back mm-hmm. we were discussing you know how to enter in product you know, what how you should uh, start your career Mm-hmm. And um, in that discussion, what I realized is that uh, learning from others is um, is a big booster to, to your career. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, books are very interesting, of course, and you learn a lot through them. Uh, but uh, nothing like having the real challenges and, and people to bounce your ideas with. Yeah, uh, and yeah, so for sure, that's a bit of the whole idea behind the, the product weekend. And, yes. And by the way, thank you so much for for joining. There in the event and, and now again. Yeah. So um, so that's one thing to you know, to to be around people you can learn from. I mean, it's not only in product, of course, in other f- roles in engineering. I, you know, I love mm-hmm. 
being around uh, bright people and uh, uh, learning from their ideas mm -hmm. and, and knowing that uh, my ideas can be improved with with their own challenges and their own reasoning. So yeah. that's very very motivating. Yeah. Um, so that's that's one thing in product. The other, um, uh, I would say, more recent in the last couple of years, uh, the kind of investment that our systems does in training for product managers is, is really mm -hmm. very very interesting. So um, yeah, I've heard the, about the product management academy. Yep. Um, can you tell me a bit about it? Have you what have you learned with it? What opportunities did it bring to you? Yes. So it's. First of all, it's it's a program, right? It's not just uh, let's get a training and and um, let's find something for you to learn. It's it's uh, thought through uh, from the beginning, looking at uh, what skills can really help you make a difference in your day to day work, and then getting a mix of. Um, of activities, if you will, of, of, of curriculum that, that makes sense to, to enrich that, uh, to get to, to that level. And mm -hmm. most of the times we have, for instance, um, we, we hire, you know, we get training on specific topics by uh, recognized sort of leaders in the industry, you know, book authors mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, that, that they don't, they don't, they wrote the books, but they also mm -hmm. have, Typically, you know, Training an program. amazing professional experience behind them. Yeah, awesome. either actually mm -hmm. doing the practice, uh, both doing the practice and advising other companies. Uh, you know, so the kind of people that you usually bring to talk to a conference or event or something like that, mm -hmm. we get the benefit of having those uh, in a room, in a room, discussing with topics. Yeah, yeah. And discussing our reality. So mm -hmm. you know, it's uh, really, really interesting. So, uh, so this. Academy, uh, it's a, an opportunity also for not only professional growth and growth of the of the teams, but also personal growth, which I know is a topic of your interest, correct? Absolutely. I mean, even because if you think of product management skills, we now have uh, you know, some... Uh, finally, in Portugal, you know, some formal trainings on product managers... That's great, but if you think of the um, the subjects that you need to master to be a great product manager, mm -hmm. it's uh, you know it's a thing of its own, right? So it's, it's not only about knowing your domain subject. Mm -hmm. um, you, there's a lot of uh, soft skills uh, yeah, that that go along with it, mm -hmm. uh, and and so um, you know a lot of training is. Training topics are about that mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Uh, again, just to our reality, on our day-to-day -day reality. Yes. And so, yes, I mean, I'm at the same time learning a job, but uh, becoming uh, a better More, person, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, because uh, I'll give you an example. I mean, if as a product manager, you have to to bring people together to your ideas right so mm -hmm. uh, as, as clara was saying the uh, last week uh, we are not really the ceo of the product because we mm -hmm. don't have the authority we have the the you influence dictate you just need to yeah convince and pass your message in a correct but but a big part of that is really listening to others right so mm -hmm. um if you learn to to listen to others better Mm -hmm. As a product manager, 
that is bound to reflect on you as a person as well. So yeah. uh, that's, you know, what I really find um, uh, also in, interesting about product manager is I think if you, if you, you know, if you pick me on the street, you know, uh, 20 years ago and uh, looked at uh, my uh, soft skills and mm-hmm. so on, maybe you wouldn't say, you know, this will be a good, good product branching. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I consider myself as a, you know, as a, as a project still <laughs> in that yeah. sense, right? Because I think product manager, management really uh, drives me to uh, or challenges me to to become um, mm-hmm. a better person in things that, you know, growing up will be so yeah. strong. Yeah. It's important to have this growth mindset. Yeah. And this, yeah, this fixed versus growth mindset, it's a concept. It's not that new, but has been gaining a lot of popularity in business and in self-development in the past few years. Was there a specific moment or period of your life that you remember where you had the click to start improving yourself constantly? Or was it always a a thing in your life? I guess the, the urge to learn was always there. The, the realization of uh, how that applies to your personality and more to the soft skills is is more recent. I guess um, it came already during my period at OutSystems. Uh, let's say that in, in that in that sense, OutSystems is more demanding than the projects I've been before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with um, more people with a more diverse background with uh, a level of demand that matches the ambition of the company. Mm-hmm. And so let's say at, at some point you start getting signs that you know, just doing things the way you used to do before uh, is not enough, right? Yeah, uh, to so, keep up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you start realizing that uh, those um, emotional skills and personal traits and so on uh, and are important and not, and not only from the perspective of practicing them but also start by being aware of it right uh, mm-hmm. uh, trying to know yourself and uh, and reflect on that and improve on those things yeah. what are the main ways in which you challenge yourself to grow I guess it's um, more about um, reflecting on the things that uh, make you uncomfortable and trying to understand uh why those things make you uncomfortable. Not only respond better, but also uh, um, seek the, to understand the, the perspective of others. That's that's very key in, in systems and in, in, in product management in, in general, um, that not only you try to to persuade others to, to br- bring them along in your initiatives, uh, but also that uh, you understand uh, what are their motivations, what they have to gain or to lose uh, with uh, the things you're working on. So that's very important. You're saying that you need to notice the things that, that make you uncomfortable. And when you notice those things, um, do you try to find ways to solve them, to improve them? What kind of material do you consume? I 
I consume more of let's say short articles uh, or things that I look f- search in the web, my uh, medium feed and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'd say the main two reasons why personal growth is so important in our field are that first our main job is to ensure that our products grow and are constantly evolving so someone with a fixed mindset is probably not that suited to to take that forward and second on more the personal side uh, it's a highly competitive and dynamic field so if you don't keep up you may be left behind did it ever happen to you to have someone trying to take your place Directly taking my place, uh, I won't say so. Um, I would say there are a couple of examples that kind of relate to that uh, story. Uh, so uh, as I left uh, Altitude, uh, it was in, in the context of uh, the, uh, the key functions in the company being moved to, to Madrid. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I was replaced. Um, I mean, not for my... Uh, mm-hmm. Personal uh, strengths and weaknesses. At least that's why I, yeah, I understood it. Yeah, but more mm-hmm. for the, the context of the company, and uh, you know, within our systems, I would say uh, reorganizations are a sport. We mm-hmm. are always uh, trying to find uh, the best organization structure to tackle the challenges, and they are changing, right? So, mm-hmm. when I joined, uh, we were three hundred people. Now we are about two thousand. So obviously the challenges and, and the constraints that you have are totally different. Mm-hmm. And if your organization doesn't adapt and you're, you're stuck, yeah. uh, for sure you're not going to get the results. Mm-hmm. So, you know, within your organizations, I sometimes I lose responsibilities, sometimes I gain responsibilities. It's always been mm-hmm. a mess. You take but it personally. It's more as optimizing yeah. the resources. Yeah, absolutely. You need to understand that that uh, I mean, if you are working for an organization, that the organization is designed um, first with the interests of organizations in mind, and uh, later, if possible, with the the needs of the the person. At the same time, you feel that um, in an organization like Out Systems, that opportunities will always be there, if. Mm-hmm. Um, if you keep that um, that constant uh, desire to evolve. Mm-hmm. And in the situations where maybe your credibility will be challenged on a competition for a position, let's say, uh, did it happen? And if it did, how did you deal with that? Mm. So I wouldn't say there was, you know, again, competition for a position. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll say, you know, let me do a parenthesis here. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, you know, uh, people um, in many contexts think of that as, you know, the the traditional uh, government uh, institution opening a new position and people applying Mm -hmm. with a resume and so on. I mean, that's not how it happens in in the private sector, right? So um, there isn't really a sense of competition in the position. I never felt... You know, like uh, mm-hmm. um, I needed to be better than the colleague next to me uh, because otherwise, uh, 
uh, he or she will be promoted and I don't. I, I don't feel that and I think it's really about um, showing value and then uh, having the, the, the management recognizing that value knowing that you know perception is already is I mean you know maybe you are more valuable than I am for a given position but maybe our current manager doesn't think like that and maybe the mm -hmm. next one will think differently so it's uh, as long as you are building your um, value as long as you are evolving you know uh, as I say in product manager and in IT you know the future is bright so nothing mm -hmm. to to yeah. worry about in terms of Getting back to the other question you're asking about the credibility, I think it's it's important to to understand that when that happens, um, that people who try to do that do it for a reason, right? They are trying to uh, to get to their goals. As an example, you know, classic example mm -hmm. in product manager, if you are um, taking a decision that uh, prevents a salesperson from closing a deal uh, mm -hmm. this month, uh, obviously, you know, the, the salesperson will not be uh, happy with it mm -hmm. and will do whatever strategies uh, they feel are adequate, you know, depending also on, the, on their integrity levels, of course, yeah. uh, but I don't want to get there. But the thing is, if you put that into, into perspective, that, um, you know, uh, if your credibility is, um, is being questioned, it's not necessarily because you, you're worth... You, you don't have the worth is because uh, that is interesting for the, the people who are doing that. Mm -hmm. And maybe sometimes, you know, there are things that you can improve. And so, you know, you need also to keep an open mind to mm -hmm. understand, you know, yeah, maybe, uh, you know, maybe he or she is right in, mm -hmm. some, in some of the things. Mm -hmm. So it's all about keeping a conviction of your personal worth also keeping an open mind for for improvements and always trying to show your worth no matter what the, the situation is i mean uh, not necessarily show your worth but add value right correct yeah mm -hmm. be happy that you're adding value and i'll say uh, i heard a, an expression a, a few days ago it's very old but uh, I wasn't used to to hearing it, which is to take a balcony view of the situation, right? Which hmm. is to okay. to put yourself way above. Well, you are just a character in that, and, and mm -hmm. trying to observe what's happening from that perspective. That gives you a lot of, of peace of mind and perspective, and, mm -hmm. and really allows you to grow. Yeah, putting things in perspective. Yeah. What was the biggest challenge you've been through as a product manager? A lot of challenges, uh, so it's it's really it's, it's really hard to pick one. It's hard mm -hmm. to pick one. Uh, I guess the um, the one that um, that is top of mind and uh, maybe more uh, relatable to the audience uh, is on my transition from from altitude to out systems, mm -hmm. in the sense that. Um, uh, Altitude was um, a company that was uh, back then in the best day in the best years uh, meeting the same numbers of the previous year, <laughs> and uh, and so uh, as I 
go into odd systems with the growth, uh, you know, fifty percent a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it that really influences the whole organization. That means that uh, the alignment of uh, initiatives and projects needs to be much more distributed. Otherwise, you know, there's there's, there's no not enough time <laughs> mm-hmm. to to make a much more uh, centralized uh, way of decision. So. I was kind of used to that uh, centralized uh, decision making, mm-hmm. and uh, needed to get used to to understand, you know, that different teams and different departments also have a level of autonomy, and that you need to uh, insert your initiatives into their uh, priorities as well. Of course, there's a top mm-hmm. level alignment, but uh, you need a level of autonomy within the teams yeah. that uh, is more demanding for the PM. Mm-hmm. To bring everyone on board, with the, with the yeah, ideas. it's it's. I mean, exaggerating a bit is like the uh, well, we have decided to do this. Please do your part. Doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, getting a bit more specific on what we were talking about, how exactly do you involve everyone? So, you, if you cannot just tell, go do your part. How do you make sure that everyone is in the in the same team and aligns with the, the same objectives? So the first thing is uh, having a very clear vision of the initiatives. So if you're solving a problem for for someone for our customers, right? Typically, uh, need to be able to spell out that that problem, why it is important for the customers, how. Uh, their future lives will be better uh, if you solve mm-hmm. a problem or how they are suffering today. So th- that's the, the, the big, the big, the first big challenge is how to communicate that vision clearly. And you know, it seems very obvious, but uh, give you an example of a counter pattern that, that I see <laughs> sometimes, which, uh, you know, or from people who are not PMs or that are transitioning to the field. There's a, um, a tendency to to bring to discussion all the possible problems, uh, all the scenarios of the, the customers, and that, and without necessarily strong prioritization, and, and that is a you know an immediate way to throw away your audience. Mm. So the, to getting to a, a clear vision, prioritize. This is the main reason why we're doing this. This is the benefit, and be able to ignore all the noise around it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it seems very obvious, but it but it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. It's uh, there's a saying um, that I heard a few years back that, uh, well, I wrote you a long letter because I didn't have time to write a short one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, that remembers me one of one of the things you you talked about in the product week, and it's not about accuracy, it's not about giving all the detail, it's yeah. about having a clear message. So clarity in the message is a, a key part of Correct. communicating what you need. And it's a lot of work. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, for an outsider, it says, oh, wow, would you take all this time just to build this uh, first just a sentence? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. but it's a lot of work. And, uh, and you have to be, you know, Self-confidence enough to, to give yourself the, the space and the time to, to do that. So once you have that, that clear message, you have to, uh, you know, to engage with the people. Um, you have to find the, the best ways to go, to go about doing that. Uh, who do you talk to first? Um, 
how do you talk to different people that that will help you to unblock the or to execute that that initiative in mm-hmm. the case of out systems uh, you also need to put it in writing so it's mm-hmm. it's too big of an organization too many stakeholders yeah. uh, just to rely on on synchronous communication mm-hmm. and so that's that's uh, a part of it and uh, you know in parallel with all of this uh, you need to understand um, again what are the goals that that uh, the people have. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're talking to a the team who takes care of order management, right? Mm-hmm. So, what are the KPIs? I mean, wh- wh- why is the, my initiative important to them? How it will help them mm-hmm. uh, get to the end of the quarter saying we did a good, jo- good job? Mm-hmm. So, you really need to understand that to to adjust your speech. Yeah. And by the way, of course, another. So that's the initial part. In terms of getting to success, the very key as well is to to work on what are success metrics. So that's mm-hmm. a very common failure mode in in, in projects. Uh, I mean, we'll say not necessarily not systems, but but if you don't have clear clear metrics. and aligned success metrics, then you're doing things. But in the end, when you look back, oh, this was this the impact that I got. Mm-hmm. So that's also a specific strategy for bringing everyone on board is to make sure that you take into account their own metrics and put them and make sure that they are aligned with what you are trying to achieve. No, you need to take into account their motivations mm-hmm. um, more than the metrics of success. Of course, the two things are related, but mm-hmm. they're not exactly the same. Yeah. So okay. you need to account take into account their motivations and uh, you need to push for the success metrics. I mean, I'll mm-hmm. say many of the teams typically uh, outside PM, uh, you know, for instance, the traditional caricature as uh, some developers will say, okay, my application is done and it has no bugs in success. Mm-hmm. While uh, as a product manager, you want, okay, did the customers, are the customers using the capability? Are they, uh, is the fact that they're using the capability something that drove them to expand the the, the, the usage of, of our platform? Mm-hmm. So um, you need to keep yeah. those, you need to push those metrics as, as, as a PM and you need to push that, that mindset. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's zoom out a little bit to, to talk about some general product management topics. Uh, what is a common myth about product management? I guess... Um, some people coming into product um, think that they need to to understand um, the solution that is being implemented in, in depth, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's it's a struggle uh, that uh, you know people have to go through, and most of the times are successful mm-hmm. to understand the the balance uh, between the outcome and uh, and understanding and. Being able, to, so I guess the myth is, if you, especially if you're working in IT as a product manager, you need to understand the full technical details of the solution in order to be a great product manager, and mm-hmm. that's probably a myth. So that's okay. uh, oftentimes it does more harm than good. <laughs> yeah, so the product manager is not supposed to be the guru of the technical solution. 
but should be the one that understands the problem yeah. better than anyone. Right? And I guess people are, in a way, pushed to that. Mm. Um, well, either because they have the, this background or because, you know, there's Sometimes this story. Sometimes end up being more of a delivery manager than a, than a product manager. That can happen also in some organizations, um, especially when there's a confusion, you know, within the management about what private managers should be doing. Mm -hmm. But the the other thing that I would like to highlight here is that the, a typical story between engineering and, and product managers is that some engineers, like they would say the same about PMs, mm -hmm. some engineers are a bit uh, arrogant in the thing in the sense that if they're explaining a Techno solution, if the product manager does not immediately grasp uh, all of it, mm -hmm. you know, they will kind of let you know uh, whether it's uh, mm -hmm. uh, verbally or, or just uh, non verbal, they will let you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, a product manager that hasn't, that doesn't have a lot of experience can take that as a sign that he needs to learn more. And mm -hmm. uh, so let's say th there's a negative reinforcement of that myth yeah. in that kind of interactions. Mm -hmm. Your talk in the product weekend in May was all about the main lessons you learned during your 10 years in product management, as mm -hmm. we already mentioned. Um, so I'm going to revisit just a couple of those lessons, which I find particularly interesting. Um, as we all know, asking why is one of the simple but critical skills of a, of a PM. Uh, why do I say skill and not hack, let's say? It's because you you need to know how to ask, right? It's not just asking why, why, why. You need to know how to ask, otherwise you may be perceived as arrogant, as you were saying, that sometimes happens. Um, is there a, a right way to ask why? Uh, yes, there is a right way to ask why. Whether I can describe it in, in five seconds, that's another thing. But but definitely <laughs> is. Um, well, it, it's a skill, but at the same time, I don't know if it's something that that you need to have uh, kind of built in, right? mm. that curiosity. Okay. So, so I'll genuine say curiosity, not just correct. asking why because you're supposed to be asking why but because you're genuinely curious to understand more and to learn more yes mm -hmm. so i i mean what i've seen over the years is that when there's that element of generous curiosity it is a lot more powerful than mm -hmm. uh, than just doing because you think that you should be doing it um it's um as you said there's there's a there's a right way to do it and um I think the, the the key there is to understand that is, is to do the ask why from a standpoint where you are helping others, right? So if you mm -hmm. if you if you put forward an idea and I ask you why you want to do that, it may look like you're trying to shut me down somehow. I mean, it may look like I'm trying to block you or mm -hmm. create issues. So that's, that's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you may be perceived as a, uh, somebody who's not interested in, in, mm -hmm. uh, in progressing the ideas. Yeah. But, but more than that, I was coming to the, to the argument that if I'm asking why from the mindset that, you know, I really want you to be successful, 
Mm-hmm. And so help me understand um, why do you think this is a good way to get success? Mm-hmm. If you have that mindset, then I think the, the questions will naturally fl- uh, transmit that idea okay. Okay. and uh, and get the right perception on the, on the person you're talking to. Good advice, great advice. And also another lesson that you mentioned is saying no. So asking why, saying no. Um, it's also an important thing, I mean, not only for product managers, but maybe especially for, for product manager, managers. How do you balance, on the one hand, taking on new challenges and being helpful to your colleagues, and on the other hand, having space and time to focus on what really matters the best way to to resolve that balance is to delegate uh, mm-hmm. to delegate within your team to, to, to delegate with other teams so mm-hmm. always be on the lookout for opportunities to grow other teams into doing things that maybe today product manager, management is doing Mm-hmm. But maybe we don't have to, right? And uh, when that happens, I think it's you know, a win-win for 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 all parties. That's that, that's the best way. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, you always need to be responsive. It's a bit. I mean, I, I don't know if this is true for all product managers. That's, mm-hmm. that's the way I operate. Uh, I feel I need to be uh, responsive. Sometimes that being responsive is to say, "I'm sorry, I'll get back to you in a couple of days." Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. and and that is a very powerful way as well to maintain the your work life balance. Mm-hmm. Is there a right way to say no? Well, the best best way is 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 to not to say no. Right, is to say mm-hmm. yes. Your idea is great. <laughs> uh, we understand that. Execute adding this capability, for instance, to the mm-hmm. product will improve uh, customer lives, and we are focused on uh, bringing this other capability instead, which will make the lives of twenty other customers better. Mm-hmm. So that that that's also a, a thing that uh, a detail that uh, uh, we got in one of the recent trainings, mm-hmm. which was. Not the yes, but but the yes and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Product management is all about risk taking. You can never be a hundred percent sure of the decisions that you're making, so you always try to minimize the risk. But nonetheless, you're always making a bet. Is there any situation uh, you regret being too cautious? Uh, yes, my um, my early days starting as a product manager. I was successful, I believe, but at the same time, I was a bit um, distant from what would be the the company's future, right? So, uh, and, and it's the the worst thing. It's it's being cautious because I'm not even aware of the, the implicit decision that you're making. Mm-hmm. So yes, I, I I do regret, and I would say, you know, if I go back ten years and and meet that guy, I will tell him a few things. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we are reaching the the end of of our talk. Um, I have just some final questions for you. First one is, 
what would be one piece of advice you'd give to your 18-year-old self? So that guy getting into technique for the first time. What would you tell him? So the advice would be to to think better um, or more um, consciously about uh, what you want to do and what makes you uh, happy and what uh, really inspires you. So to be uh, to be more in the in the driving set of mm -hmm. your life rather than, than be followed. Not because I would make different choices, uh, mm -hmm. but I believe the, you know the, it would have been a more pleasant experience. <laughs> Good one. What's the most inspiring leader you have met? Met is in in personal, yeah, right? Personally, um, so with the risk of being perceived as a sucking the boss, I think my. <sighs> Current manager is, is probably one of the most inspiring uh, persons I've met. Um, you know, in, in the way that um, Gonzalo Gallo, Gonzalo Gallo, mm -hmm. in, in the way that uh, he he talks about what we want to do and what we want to uh, the kind of impact we want to have in the, in the world. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, all the time. So it's not uh, just in one conversation. Mm -hmm. And also on the way that. Um, He inspires the team to to grow as as, as persons. Mm -hmm. Very genuine. That's uh, I think that's the characteristic of, of great leaders, right? It's to be mm -hmm. authentic. Yeah. If you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would you choose, and what would you ask them? Let Let's pick. For instance, um, Barack Obama, uh, which mm -hmm. is not uh, so historical, uh, mm -hmm. still alive, uh, fortunately, mm -hmm. and still saying one or two, two things every now and then. Uh, what I would ask him, um, I guess the one thing I uh, admired about his leadership, I mean, I'm not going here into a political discussion with mm -hmm. Democrats are better than Republicans. I, it's not really the point. Mm -hmm. um, what I really admired was the... The fact that he brought that inspired a lot of people in, in believing in the future. Mm -hmm. So that that's really amazing, right? You don't often get into meet somebody who, who can have that effect. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I guess the questions would be around that, right? So uh, where does that drive for uh, optimism come from? Mm -hmm. uh, you know. What are the challenges along the way? You know, how, what do you do when when uh, you have moments of disbelief, if if any? So mm -hmm. I think that will be a very interesting conversation. I'll see if it's available the next time <laughs> I go around. <laughs> Perfect, John. Thank you so much. Um, let's wrap up um, just to to finish our conversation. Uh, can you recommend our listeners uh, your three favorite books? When I read it, it's it's more novels than, than business mm -hmm. books. Uh, the one book I would recommend uh, in in business uh, is one called uh, Crucial Conversations, um, mm -hmm. which uh, is something you know people are often uh, averse to conflict, mm -hmm. and um, there's a lot of Uh, good thing in, in, in conflict well, well, take, well addressed. Right? Mm -hmm. So 
this book the book is all about that it also touches on the how to say no mm. indirectly so that that's the one mm-hmm. I would recommend is a you know it's a good mm-hmm. soft skill to invest on okay. um, for um, for a product manager and on the fiction and novel side any recommendations so one author I met in my last summer vacations uh, a Scandinavian author called Joe Nesbo uh, mm-hmm. so I really like this uh, writing style and to finish up your three favorite cities in the world so I had um, I was fortunate to travel a lot um, also personally but, but a lot in business mm-hmm. and um, the the favorite city is also It's about the, the, the buildings, but also about the people and the culture and, and so on. And so those three that I, that I really enjoy the most, considering all of that, those things are uh, Paris, New York, and Tokyo. So. Okay. João, thank you very much for, for joining me. It was a pleasure getting to know you a little bit better. Uh, where, pe- where can people find you online to connect? Yeah, on LinkedIn for sure, yes. Perfect. So, thank you, and see you next time. Thank you. Lots of fun.